1: It is the word of Landru.
0: Joy to you, friends, and thanks for joining us here in Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show to the original series. My name is Drew, or Landru, and this is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hey. Hey, Mike. Hey. And today, we're going to talk about... We're going to finish up, I guess? The S.O. Canon? We're going to skip over T.A.S. I'm sorry, I didn't finish watching it. We're just going to assume that yesteryear is the only thing we're going to keep.
1: Yeah. Yesteryear belongs in the canon. Better than most episodes of the original series. Everything else, crap. And it has pet
0: death, which makes me cry. And if your your crappy 70s cartoon can make me weep like a little baby, I, I will gladly insert it into my canon.
1: Yes. Anything that makes Drew cry automatically goes into canon. (laughs)
0: so the notebook star trek canon
1: (laughs) the notebook made you
0: cry i i think so i don't remember it's been a while that's cool we're learning a lot about each other today yeah maybe we'll do that do that newlywed game thing that's not the newlywed game that the other hosts are gonna get on
1: yeah we should do that
0: but uh so we're going to cover the movies we're gonna go through let's not just list them because there's only I assume we're only going to talk about the six of them.
1: No, I think because we should the whole all, point—the
0: whole point—was that it led to undiscovered country.
1: Well, it led to the end. So, what's the end? So, I think that we should do all eight. Okay. Okay. All right.
0: We'll we'll go through them and not just skip around. Uh, yeah. I think that each one uses a little bit debate. Yeah. No, we always do that.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: So, let's start right at the beginning. Star Trek: The Motion Picture.
1: Yeah. This is a tricky one. Well, first off, I mean, mm-hmm. do you like it or not?
0: Uh I'm I'm going to uh, I'm just going to come out and say it right now. I'm going to fight to keep all of them, okay? And and I feel that uh if we're going by character development, as we've mentioned before, the movies are where the characters really have arcs and get developed. And I feel like all of them are necessary to tell the story of Star Trek.
1: Okay. So why is motion
0: picture necessary? I feel like motion picture is necessary because, uh, Spock, Spock's arc in the movie, uh, while it takes the entire two and a half hour runtime to get to it is he, he's, Debating on becoming instead of a half-human, half-Vulcan, he's going to be a half-Vulcan, half-human, and uh, really embrace his Vulcan side, and and purge all of his emotions. But uh, so so it's about Spock coming to terms with himself and finding out that through V'ger, uh in V'ger's quest to be human, that he should keep his humanity, that it's a part of him, and that it's an important part of him. And I feel like. Spock's story is kind of the arc of the movies and and I feel like this is an important thing to get from Turnabout intruder or I guess in our canon uh Requiem for Methuselah to uh to the end and and I think that that we should keep it and also we don't want to miss out on bearded McCoy with his with his giant seventies medallion.
1: Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. At the same time, I think that you could easily lift this out and going from, well, it's not Requiem from Methuselah, it would be yesteryear, to, oh, yeah. um, to Wrath of Khan would be perfectly fine as far as Spock is concerned. This might add an, an extra dimension to it, but it's not like if you take out motion picture, people aren't going to see the arc. Um, But... My thinking with this one is that, uh, you know, it is a, a decent movie. It's not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination, but they, they're doing a lot of cool stuff in here. And uh, it doesn't really detract from anything else in the series. So I don't really see any reason to get rid of it. I'd say it adds more than it takes away. Mm-hmm. And for the, for that reason, I would say we should keep it. Yeah, it's
0: not patently offensive so
1: right and and they do some cool stuff there's some interesting um topics which are you know introduced and it, it's it's interesting it's interesting
0: yeah so Let, let's do a, a let's say that it's a fan cut of the director's edition <laughs> maybe
1: no 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 you got to take it you got to you got to take it whole okay or 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 leave it you know and so,
0: yeah, so, so, which one we're also going to have to debate this oh. director's cut or theatrical,
1: the director's cut for sure, okay, no doubt, you would always go director's cut, I would always go director's cut because this because is what the
0: director, director right.
1: intended it's art, this is not a democracy, it's a cheerocracy. and the director is the cheer tater
0: <laughs> did you just? Is that
1: bring it on? It's totally bring it on, yes. Uh yeah. Yes.
0: So Bring It On is going to be the second movie in our canon. No.
1: Bring it on should be in every canon. I mean, come on. <laughs> that movie It didn't amazing. make
0: me cry, it's not canon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like seriously though, I mean, if anyone hasn't seen Bring It On, if you're looking for an extremely smart satire, um, bring it on. It's freaking amazing. I'm, Better than most Star Trek movies.
0: I'm sure that I've seen it, but I don't think I saw it as satire. But I will watch it again. for for. I'm sure I'll enjoy it more than other movies you,
1: you've read. You've got to prepare for Ant-Man. I mean, if anyone wants to know why, I'm looking forward to Ant-Man more than just about anything else this summer. It's because it's from the director of Bring It On. You know? Really? Absolutely. Huh. I cannot wait. It's going to be awesome. Anyway. Cool.
0: Well, then I'll definitely have to have to watch it then.
1: Yeah. And Kirsten Dunst is in it, and she's yeah. a, a Star Trek alum, right?
0: Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Cool beans. All right. So the next movie is Star Trek II, believe it or not, The Wrath of Khan. And I'll go ahead and say that, that the director's edition, yes, and definitely in the canon.
1: Yeah. I just saw this. Uh, Nick degilio, who's a, a, a critic in Chicago for WGN. He uh, hosts, like, a monthly movie series or whatever. And uh, this month, in honor of Leonard Nimoy, he he did Wrath of Khan. So I got to see it on the big screen last week. Again, it was pretty awesome. You did? Um, yeah, and seeing it on the big screen sort of uh, reinforced to me how, how great this movie is, uh, as if I really needed a reminder. But, yeah, I mean, this is sort of like... The uh, the keystone for all Star Trek, at least all original series, I, I would say. You know, yeah. I mean, there's there's a, a lot of ways where the you know this has been described to me by by my friend back in high school. He was like, you know, it's basically like Star Trek issue zero, you know, where like you can come into to Wrath of Khan and know nothing about Star Trek. And you are introduced to all the characters, everything, and uh, you know it, it, it's sort of like the perfect entry point for uh, for viewers. And yeah, there's no reason not to have it in there at all. I'd throw out pretty much everything else before I lost Wrath of Khan. So
0: yeah, I I agree. Wrath uh, of Khan is uh, we get a lot of deep issues issues about aging uh about uh, finding your place making sacrifices i mean it's a great movie and can really like teach you uh, a lot about not only the what star trek can do but uh it can like teach you a thing or two you can take it home and learn from it
1: yeah and um, it also is sort of, to me at least, the jumping off point in terms of the continuity for the movies, a lot more so than motion picture.
0: Yeah. So Star Trek 2, definitely keeping. Yes. Next up is Star Trek III, mm-hmm. which is the search for Spock.
1: Yep. I wonder if they'll find him. I don't know. He directed the movie. <laughs> there he is behind the camera. Oh. Ha ha! I found oh. him. He's over there.
0: <laughs> but Star Trek Three, uh, I know that you have a lot of uh, issues with with Star Trek Three. Mm-hmm. But I think I think storytelling wise, we need to keep it, and it has a lot of good character moments. I like the whole uh, Ocean's Eleven. Everybody's got their own job to do in order to break McCoy out and steal the Enterprise. Yeah, I I like the idea of of McCoy, uh, dealing with his not nemesis but his you know like his his rival uh, being in his head, and uh, I'd say that that we should keep it.
1: Yeah, see, here's the thing about it: like, if Star Trek Six weren't as good as it is, I I would probably make the argument that Star Trek Two should be the end because Star Trek 3 does so much wrong in terms of its relationship to Star Trek 2 which is I mean that's the thing that I've always said like looking at Star Trek 3 I can't say that it's really a bad movie because if you look at it on its own as just its own thing it's it works really well it's the problem with it is its place in star trek canon right mm-hmm. almost more than any other it 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 kind of ruins things it ruins the other things which is sort of like what this whole exercise has been about that being said they decided to take the mistakes of star trek three and run with them for the rest of the <laughs> franchise and without that they star didn't trek... kill
0: him off again at the beginning of four right
1: if they would have oh god why did do that (laughs) that's what they should have done in star trek five they should have killed him off oh then we could have lost anyway but because of that (laughs) because of that because they didn't do that we need it in order to get to star trek six you know
0: that that's very interesting that that your love of star trek six is causing you to keep other things in reality, we could have just ended it too.
1: You could just end it at Wrath of Khan, but I, as as good of an ending as Wrath of Khan would be, I think Star Trek Six is a better ending. So, so
0: we basically have to keep three.
1: Yeah, we have to keep three, whether we want to or not.
0: All right. Okay. With uh, uh I will take your uh, I'll take your complaint under advisement. Okay but uh Star Trek 3 is staying. Yes. Star Trek 4, The Voyage Home. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to want to keep it because I really enjoy it. Mhm. And I don't want to not have it around.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean But oh,
0: The Voyage Home from 3 isn't really the uh important
1: no you, you like if star trek 4 was a piece of crap you could get rid of it you'd have to still explain why kirk is a captain later on but
0: and where the new enterprise came from
1: that's true so yeah, yeah maybe you do need it but regardless of that i mean star trek 4 is a really good movie so why would you get rid of it right yeah so we're keeping that one
0: so so we'll keep that one no yeah. alternate versions to worry about but
1: yeah, and Star Trek Four—that was the movie which I wished they would have shown last week instead of Star Trek Two. Yeah, but uh, he directed it. Yeah, but I—I I think he wasn't aware that that Nimoy had directed it. He wasn't a big Star Trek fan. The critic who was well, hosting still—if you
0: Google Leonard Nimoy, yeah, I think the man he, only directed like four movies. You know,
1: I think kind of the the gut reaction is just like, well, Star Trek Two because that's the best movie and that's the one where he dies. You know?
0: Yeah. Well, why don't we not? Have that one, and show him dying. Why don't we have a fun one?
1: You could do that. Yeah,
0: that he had input
1: in. Yeah. Oh well. All
0: right. But yes, Star Trek Four. I I enjoy. Again, we've got the kind of Oceans Eleven teamwork. Everybody has a job to do. Um, which I enjoy. I enjoy it when everybody has a job to do. Even Chekhov, as annoying as Chekhov's story is in this movie. I don't understand the whole falling and getting hurt and his brain expanding. I don't know.
1: No, it's fun, though.
0: Yeah, you do get the hospital scene. The hospital breakout is the best part.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Damn
0: medievalism.
1: Yep. (laughs) It's good stuff.
0: Uh, All right. So Star Trek four staying. Star Trek five: the final frontier? Mm Mm-hmm question mark i i said that i was going to fight to keep all of them in star trek 5 i think because it's an independent story and doesn't really need to tell the story between 4 and 6 i think it could go however it we would miss some good character moments like the camping out stuff
1: that's true and on the whole i think that this is a decent movie but there's some stuff in here which um does seem to kind of contradict what has come before and sort of mm-hmm. muddies some some stuff which doesn't necessarily need to be muddied so i would make the argument that this one should go i okay. mean there's the whole thing with well spock's brother spock's brother and then yeah i forgot about that and part. then there's the whole thing the line which annoys the crap out of me you know where um <laughs> Kirk says I had a brother or I no he, he, I'm sorry. Kirk says I lost a brother once. I was lucky that I got him back. Yeah. You know oh, you, yeah. You, you lost another brother too, dude. I don't know if did... you forgot about that. I don't know if we kept that one. That was Operation Annihilate, right? We did not keep Operation Annihilate. Probably for the same reason that <laughs> I'm suggesting getting rid of Star Trek five now, but uh... <laughs> Regardless, um,
0: did we get rid of Operation Annihilate to keep five? I don't think so. I think I would remember that.
1: (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. But regardless, I mean, is there anything that this thing adds to it? And it does complicate stuff. So I would say let's get rid of number five.
0: All right. And and I'll agree. It's not a terrible movie. Mm -hmm. It's just not a good Star Trek movie. It's a bad Star Trek movie but it's it's an all right movie.
1: Yeah, I someone's going to have to explain that to me at some point. Like that's, that's that was sort of like criticism number 1 of Star Trek 09. It's a good movie. It's just not a good Star Trek movie. Well, I'm what not talking about
0: like Star Trek as a concept like 2009. And we can have this argument in a few minutes. Uh-huh. Or this discussion. But I'm saying that if you're ranking Star Trek movies Five is going to be at the oh, bottom. Okay, I But see if you're,
1: you're ranking saying. movies, yeah. five is going to be somewhere in the middle of all movies. I see what you're saying. Yes. That's, right. That's kind of what I've been saying about Avengers Age of Ultron. It's good. It's just one of the worst Marvel Cinematic Universe movies.
0: Which are, yeah. And that's how I feel about, like, my bottom few in yeah. my Marvel list is that it's like, these aren't bad movies. They're just yeah. not good Marvel movies and not that they're Marvel has a movie thing. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> <All> <laughs> so right. five, we'll get rid of, let's
1: get rid of it. Yeah.
0: All right. So six, I mean, six doesn't reference five, but, uh, so we're good there. We could just go from Kirk getting the enterprise. My friends, we've come home to, uh, Praxis exploding. Yeah. Yeah time has moved on. Sulu is, uh, we're obviously keeping it. So we'll just talk about, we'll just talk about it. Sulu is in command of a ship. It's not like that happens in five that we need to see that. No. Um,
1: I mean, let's face facts. Do we really think that Nicholas Meyer saw five? Probably (laughs) not. I'm guessing that's
0: probably a good point.
1: (laughs) So, yeah.
0: Has he ever seen five? This is a good question. (laughs) So, Star Trek six definitely keeping it. I, okay. Director's Cut versus Theatrical. This one, what do we get? What do we add in Director's Cut? We get Odo, which is weird. We get more Odo. Mm-hmm. And we get the flashes of identification of the, what I call the Scooby-Doo ending. And I think others call it that, too. Where it's just like, the Romulan ambassador. <sighs>
1: That's an that's ambassador. Yeah, that that's the one thing which bothers me, you know. We do get Scotty saying a very weird crazy line where he's like, "I bet that Klingon bitch killed her father." Oh yeah. Where you're just like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> so that's, that's she didn't shed one fun. tear.
0: Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that was a director's cut
1: thing. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty Well, sure. now we have to keep it. Yeah. <laughs> Although, is the tear duct thing in the director's cut or not? Uh I think the tear duct thing may be in the in the theatrical because that's that's contradicted like crazy in Next Gen and Deep Space oh, Nine. Oh no. Klingons are crying all the freaking time. They're a bunch oh, of like Oh hold on. We're not babies. we're not keeping
0: canon with Next Generation F Next Generation. Okay. We're uh-huh. we're keeping canon with Itself, and if itself establishes that Klingons have pink blood, yeah, and no tear ducts, then then Klingons have pink blood and no tear ducts,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: pepto bismol blood,
1: right. So, I mean, yes, I mean Star Trek six. This is the the best of all of the original series adventures, you know. I mean, in the prime timeline, at least, Mm -hmm. it's also the perfect ending. To the series, yeah, this is they the literally
0: fly off into the sunset yeah. or the sun, yeah, it's not really setting because it's just standing there,
1: yeah, I mean, this is the finale they deserved and and all that stuff, and it's 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 awesome, so we got to keep it
0: yeah we we absolutely have to keep it, yeah, and uh everybody's
1: signs are named at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. and and all that, so I made uh, this joke on our commentary. But I'm gonna say it again. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I mean, because it's funny. Um, But I'm wondering how much William Shatner charged the movie to sign it at the end.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's normal rate of ninety dollars. I'm
1: guessing that's what it was, right? (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Oh, oh, that's funny. So okay, so that's the end. Generations is right out. Yeah, that doesn't really count. I mean, we could talk about like the episodes in which you know the crew come in and other incarnations or whatever, but you know, maybe maybe that's well, we'll we'll see how much time we have left at the end. We can that. <laughs> we'll save that for another episode. How about that? So, is Star Trek Six the end or not? Because now we have Star Trek Two Thousand and Nine. Uh, okay, so. What do you think? I so if we accept Star Trek 2009
0: in our canon, now just because we don't have it in canon doesn't mean that we can't watch it and enjoy it. But <sighs> old Spock, I don't know. If we if we take the elements of the prime timeline that that come forward, old Spock handing off the torch and stuff, I don't I don't know. I don't think it's necessary to tell the story of the movie that we already established was the end.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Um, I'm kind of in agreement here. I mean, I I do go back to like what I just said about Star Trek 2, where it's like, well, I'd get rid of everything else before I got rid of Star Trek 2. And, you know, I mean, I kind of feel that way about Star Trek 09 at the same time. I might have told this story before. I don't remember. That's um, fine. There's this documentary called The Cutting Edge about the art of editing. It's awesome. If you have any interest in editing, you should watch it. You can find it on the Bullet Blu-ray of all places. I don't know why. And okay. In, in that documentary, they talked to Walter Murch, legendary editor and sound designer, you know, and everything like that. Worked on Apocalypse Now and The Godfather 3 and... All these other things. One won Oscars. And yeah, anyway, Friends with George Lucas, whatever. Anyway, so in there, he talks about how he was editing this one movie. Um, I think it was like, Julie, I forget. I forget which movie it was. I think it was like Philip Kaufman, the guy who co-wrote Raiders of the Lost Ark was directing. I think. Could be wrong. Doesn't matter. Anyway, he was talking about how there was this one big sequence in the movie. And it was just kind of dragging and everything like that, and, and and they were editing the movie, and the movie felt like it was dragging, and Merch turned to the director and said, you know, I think we should lose this sequence. And the director was like, Ugh. okay, let's do it. And Merch is like, all right, we're doing it. And just as he's about to break the splice, the director says, you know, when I read this scene in the script, that's when i knew i could make this movie and murch is like so we're leaving it and the director's like no <laughs> get rid of it you know and he pulls it out of there you know and and then it made the movie better you know and like murch's whole point was like that scene served its purpose its purpose was to get this director on the movie so that he could make the rest of the movie but now we don't need that scene anymore and we can pull it out and sometimes you got to make those hard choices right Mm-hmm. So that's the hard choice that we have to make here. Star Trek 09, for me anyway, I'm sure that's not a very hard choice for you. But Star Trek 09, while it is a great thing, if we're looking at all of this on the whole, the whole is better if Star Trek 09 is gone. So,
0: yes. But let's get rid it's of it. good that it's there because it got, like you said, that, that sequence brought that director in. And yeah. and it's good that 2009 exists because it's bringing in other new fans. For example, Celeste has been talking this week mm-hmm. on on Twitter. Uh, Hool Quinn, H O O L E Q U I N N. I think it's Hoolie Quinn, right? Like Harley Hoolie? Quinn, Hooli Quinn. Oh, I don't know. Well, now everything makes more sense. <laughs> but uh, she said that that she got excited about Star Trek 2009. Like she saw doc uh, like a documentary about Star Trek, and she's like, I should go see that new movie. And she watched it and loved it, and watched it again, and watched it again, and then watched it it 17 additional times. Yeah, in theaters. So she saw it 20 times in theaters. Yeah, and then she went through a list of kind of like ours of the top best episodes of Star Trek and the worst episodes of Star Trek. And now she's filling in the gaps. I mean, 2009 is bringing in new fans. And it's awesome on its
1: own. You know? Yes. It could be a canon of one.
0: Ah, but it's not a canon of one because we also have Into Darkness, which mm. I I wouldn't keep if because that would be really hard to be like, <laughs> here's a Star Trek movie. Everybody's young, don't question it. Yeah. There's old Spock, don't question it. Con is white,
1: don't question it. Con is white, don't question Con it. White, don't question <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah.
0: So so we can't keep into darkness either. Which no, is is kind of disappointing. Yeah, but, but who knows? Maybe three will be a uh, well will that, be able to stand on its
1: own. No, no. It. But I mean, that's what I was just thinking though too. Is like who knows? Maybe three will be like an ending to that trilogy, which will somehow tie it all together. And then maybe after three comes out, or thirteen, or beyond, or whatever you want to call it, then maybe after that. We can take a look at this again and say, like, okay, Star Trek 09 and Into Darkness do belong in the canon, along with Star Trek Beyond.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know about that title, you guys.
1: I like the title. It's a very, very Batman title. Batman Forever. (laughs) Star Trek Beyond. Exactly,
0: it's a very Batman title.
1: I love that. Love it. Star Trek and Robin. We don't need to specify things. Star Trek, the one with Idris Elba as the bad guy (laughs) where they're in space and it's going to... No.
0: So friends episodes.
1: Star Trek (laughs) beyond. It's majestic.
0: Well, thanks to my Google spreadsheet that I've been keeping of our canon episodes, I can now give us the final totals. All right. Let's hear this. So here we go. From season one, we kept 19 episodes out of the 30. So that's 63.33% of season one. Okay. Of season two, we kept 11 out of the 26, which is 42.31. Lower than I'd expect, but okay. From season three, we kept eight out of 24, which is 33.33. That's a lot higher than I would have expected. Yeah. So the original series, we kept 38 out of 80 episodes for 47. Point five percent Not bad. It's more than I thought. From the animated series, we kept 1 out of 22, which is 4.55%. That's exactly right. From the movies, we kept 5 out of the 8 for 62.5%. Seems reasonable. All right. Now, get this. Mm -hmm. The total out of 110 adventures, Mm -hmm. we kept 44, which is exactly 40%.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Not bad. I mean, the less is more, right?
0: Exactly. Less is more. And I'm pretty sure we could get it down to 40 if we really, like, trimmed a couple of season one episodes.
1: Well, 44. Break that down into two 22-episode seasons.
0: Perfect. Oh, there we go. Yeah.
1: Good work, us. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that we're going to hear all sorts of stuff about this, but, yeah. Maybe, maybe uh, on the Babel conference, we should put a... Uh, uh, we should actually put out the, the, the full list so that people can yes. can read it easily and comment. I will do that when the episode
0: drops. Cool. Well, it was fun talking about and finishing up our, our personal canon today, but that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit... The Vulcans came. Maybe it's a Vulcan Thanksgiving. The Vulcans came to Earth, and we gave them corn.
1: Okay. No, we gave them uh, whiskey. Well, I mean, corn whiskey then. Ah, all right, ah, there we go. Cool. The Orb.
0: I'd like to see the Borg assimilate Ferenginar, and then they would become bankers. You know, I could see. Oh my gosh. I could see drones. Yeah, yeah
1: the world's (laughs) strictest bank ever I'm sorry you have not paid your loan you will be assimilated the
0: the nanites go into
1: (laughs) yes the ready
0: room oh man I can see instead of Kirk it's Mike Ditka throughout the entire (laughs)
1: it's just like chewing the whole time like yeah Edith Killer must die she's gotta die commentary Trek stars The theme song, I mean, I I guess it's cool. The thing that that I was kind of struck by was the opening title sequence itself. Yeah, it makes no sense. (laughs) It's literally like (laughs) all three of them are running for their lives. The 602 Club. But I loved the
0: scene with um, Lucy and Tumnus when they first meet, because Mm -hmm. that's a very vivid description in the book. Um. And I felt like they, they really nailed that in terms of the way it looked. And, and the CGI was advanced enough so that um, James McAvoy really looked like he had fawn legs. and Literary treks. Tell us about coming up with this, this story for the crew of the Enterprise. Where did it come from for you? And what were some of your inspirations for diving into these characters once again? Well, Troublesome Minds was such a book that it left me with as if I, I didn't quite finish. I'd come up with
1: Troublesome Minds as an idea that the the idea was what pushes Spock toward colonar. Axonar, the official podcast. There is more to life. Then just get up, go to work, come home, watch TV, go to bed, repeat until dead. There's more to life than that. And I, I believe that uh, that's the essential magic of Star Trek is that it says it, it appeals to that, that urge to get up off the couch, walk out the front door and go see what's out there.
0: And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud, or you can just stream from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash podcast to get all the links. We have an email from Renee Ress on Twitter. She's from Germany. And she says, thank you guys for a lovely commentary on Assignment Earth. It was a wonderful podcast episode and Andy's reactions were priceless. I hope you can get her back on again soon. Well will have had in between now and then. Uh, I'm going to check out Women at Warp too. I have loved this episode ever since I started watching Trek in 1968. I can't believe it's been 47 years. I was just a wee kitty back then, of course. And despite the many flaws that I've come to recognize over the years, I, it will always have a very special place in my heart. For instance, how in the world was Kirk able to record a captain's log while being held under guard in mission control? Well, yeah, I have a problem with that, too. Was there a chip implanted in his brain? I know it was for a dramatic effect, but still, it always makes me smile. Also, I greatly doubt that anyone with Gary's training would have automatically assumed that the person walking into the office was one of his own agents. After all, hadn't he met 201 and 347 before? I know the scene was played for comedy, and I kind of like that, but I really don't think it was necessary. Obviously, they wanted to introduce Roberta and perhaps make Gary more relatable due to fallibility, but I think they could have done that in a way that didn't make them both look silly. Yet I happily overlook these and other writing flaws because I love the episodes so much. Just like Andy, I've always loved Isis. Ninja Cat is the perfect term for her. In my head canon, she's telepathic, as she can obviously communicate with Gary, and distracts Spock by subliminally touching his mind. And she's probably attracted to his high intelligence. So see, her behavior was perfectly logical. Oh, (laughs) yes. I, too, always wondered how the Assignment Earth series would have turned out if the network had picked it up. Several years ago, I happened upon Assignment Eternity and The Eugenics Wars, The Rise and Fall of Khan, Nooney and Singh, Volumes 1 and 2, all by Greg Cox. Space Bond, or as I like to call him, Gary 007, really comes into his own here, as do Roberta and Isis. I like to imagine that the series would have turned out something like that. I highly recommend them, especially if you want to see the origin of Khan! The Eugenics Wars volumes are also available on Audible, by the way. Thank you for that. Fairly recently, I decided to check out Doctor Who for the first time when another podcast mentioned the similarities to Assignment Earth, so it was actually Gary Seven that got me hooked on the Doctor. Here, I feel rather like Andy must be with Star Trek, since I have 50 years of the Hooniverse to catch up on, but I'm loving it. Enough ramblings now, though. Thanks for an excellent podcast. Cheers, Imres, a.k.a. Renee.
1: Well, thanks, Renee. Really appreciate that. Yeah, um, and there is also the, the comic book, which was written by yes. John Byrne. Which was written by John Byrne. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, yeah, if you'd like some further adventures of Gary Seven. He was in an issue of the DC comic as well. I remember that. I remember it was a big deal because, um, like, they kept on, like, obscuring his face or something like that. And everyone's like, what's wrong? What are you doing with this face? And they're like, uh, well, we didn't have the rights <laughs> to the actor's likeness, so we had to kind of, you know...
0: Like the likenesses in those DC comics are anything accurate to begin with.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of them were good. I I, I don't know. I grew up with the DC comics, so I have a, a, a soft spot uh, for those. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Well, if you'd like to share your thoughts on today's show and on our canon, share your personal canon, you can go to track.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose Send Show and choose Standard Orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can also use the tab in the left-hand column of any page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. And you can talk to us and our other listeners at our Facebook group, The Babel Conference. In social media, you'll find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash trekfm and on Twitter under username username FM. Mike, where can people find you out of orbit?
1: You can find me right here on Trek FM doing Commentary Trek Stars with uh, John and, and Max. And you can also find me on commentarytrekstars.com doing commentary track stars off topic and commentary track star babies with Max and Brandon. And then you can also find me on Twitter at mumbles three K. And you can find me on Twitter
0: at double O five D O U B O E O F I V E And on various other places around the internet under that same name. We have another iTunes review here from Tanada 1945. And it says in entertaining and informative aha
1: yeah see we got the entertaining thing there yeah we're improving love this podcast i have no special love for
0: jj trek but if it brought hosts like this into the tos world it can't be all bad either love being exposed to tos through their point of view drew has something good to say about almost everything Trek and mike is very helpful and friendly talking about the technical aspects of tv and
1: movie making (laughs) Yep, I do not have something good to say about all aspects of Trek. This is true. <laughs> but yeah, I wouldn't say that that O uh, nine brought us together. I think I think oh, no. what, what we've said before is like there would be no let's say there would be no Trek FM without O nine because O nine s- sparked or reignited the the interest in Star Trek amongst yes fans, and that sort of brought everyone together but yeah yes yeah it
0: didn't it didn't bring me to track but it certainly brought us together through the network
1: yeah yeah
0: and uh if you'd like to leave a review on iTunes uh we'd really appreciate that their magical ranking system uh, uh takes reviews into account somehow so if you want to give us a bunch of cool reviews that'd be really cool yeah Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, who helps us bring Standard Orbit to you each week, and our sponsor for the show is Audible.com. Audible's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible's the premier source for audiobooks, more than 150,000 titles to choose from, and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, and even some of those famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive and Federation, Audible has something for everyone. Mike, what do you have for everyone?
1: Well, I've got a uh, movie adaptation, one which, uh, for a movie which we did not include in, in this canon, but, you know, they don't have the ones that we did include, so what can you do? And that's Star Trek. It's written by Alan Dean Foster. Oh. Who wrote one of the movies that we did keep, you know, he wrote the motion picture, so. Oh, okay. there's that. And uh, is narrated by Zachary Quinto. It's a little over eight hours long, unabridged. In the far reaches of the galaxy, a machine of war bursts into existence. It's not really a machine of war. These descriptions for these new Star Trek movies are the worst. In a place and time it was never meant to be, on a mission of retribution for the destruction of his planet, its half-mad captain seeks the death of every intelligent being and the annihilation of every civilized world. Not really, just two. No, Just two. Well,
0: I mean, he does he was gonna go then knock out the Federation, so I assumed okay. he was gonna go to wherever Tellarites are from, Tellar, I guess, in okay. and Andoria.
1: But they Earth, would, he would have Earth a fight and... on
0: his hands if he went to Andoria.
1: Yeah. Earth and Vulcan were the two main ones though, right? Right. Okay. Uh Kirk and Spock, two completely different and unyielding personalities, must find a way to lead the only crew aboard the only ship that can stop him. And you can get. Dun, dun, dun. Yep. And you can get this book for free since you listen to Trek FM.
0: That's right. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30 day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you get to read and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to slash Trek FM and sign up today. Again, that's slash Trek FM. And we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. I'm disappointed that we did not keep the Into Darkness streak going that I suggested. Oh Last yeah week. well, maybe next time all right uh we'd also like to thank Richard Rutledge Jr. for being our associate producer. He supports us on Patreon and you can find him at r u t eight nine seven two on Twitter if you want to join him in keeping us in orbit, you can go to patreon.com dot slash trek f m and you'll find a list of donation levels where you can get things like exclusive digital goodies, early access to episodes, access to our project manager, and even be listed as associate producer for our shows. you find out where the donations can go, things like covering the monthly cost of hosting and distribution, hiring an editor for our shows, and upgrading our equipment. Again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm, so check it out. Well, that was fun. Uh, We're going to have to find excuses to uh keep more things in canon, because I enjoy our Debates on the episodes.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yep. Maybe, maybe we'll have to look at the uh, the the stuff from the other shows that include TOS characters. Yeah. And
0: stuff. Yeah. We'll get on that. Yeah. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landru.
1: Mister Chekov, take us out of orbit ahead. Walk factor one. nice sir.